Uh, it's Good Friday. Normally we would be gathering for a brief service tonight, um, singing, reading God's word, uh, and then just a, with a meditation on the text of scripture. Um, but this will have to do for tonight. So praise God for Facebook Live. Um, but as we meditate on the cross this morning, let's begin by praying. So uh, I have been blessed recently by just prayers that have been prayed by saints in the past, whether it's the Book of Common Prayer or the Valley of Vision or a new uh, Puritan collection of prayers called Piercing Heaven, just these wonderful collections. And one of my favorites, or the one that I stumbled upon today was uh, Love Lusters at Calvary from the Valley of Vision. So as we get started, let's pray using the words from that prayer. Our Father, enlarge our hearts, warm our affections, open our lips, supply words that proclaim love lusters at Calvary. There, grace removes our burdens and heaps them on your Son, made a transgressor, a curse, and a sin for us. There, the sword of your justice smote the man your fellow, There your infinite attributes were magnified, and infinite atonement was made. There infinite punishment was due, and infinite punishment was endured. Christ was all anguish, that we might be all joy. Cast off, that we might be brought in. Trodden down as an enemy, that we might be welcomed as friends. Surrendered to hell's worst, that we might attain heaven's best. Stripped that we might be clothed, wounded, that we might be healed, athirst, that we might drink, tormented, that we might be comforted, made a shame, that we might inherit glory, entered darkness, that we might have eternal light. Our Savior wept, that all tears might be wiped from our eyes, groaned, that we might have endless song, endured all pain, that we might have unfading health, Bore a thorned crown, that we might have a glory diadem. Bowed his head, that we might uplift ours. Experienced reproach, that we might receive welcome. Closed his eyes in death, that we might gaze on unclouded brightness. Expired, that we might forever live. O Father, O Father, who spared not your only Son, that you might spare us. All this transfer your love designed and accomplished. Help us to adore you by lips and life. Oh, that our every breath might be ecstatic praise, our every step buoyant with delight, as we see our enemies crushed, Satan baffled, defeated, destroyed, sin buried in the ocean of reconciling blood, hell's gates closed, heaven's portal open. Go forth, O conquering God, and show us the cross, mighty to to subdue, comfort, and save. Amen. Well, this uh, past week, uh, I hope you've benefited from just the short little uh, videos we've been showing um, of just walking through Matthew 27. Um, This morning, we read Matthew 27, 45 through 56. I'm just going to read that again for us now. Uh, about the account of Christ's death. Matthew 27, verses 45 to 56. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. 
And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sebachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were erased. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. This appears to be the end, doesn't it? Jesus actually expires. Uh, His breath is gone. There in verse 50, he yields up his spirit. But as he dies, some spectacular things take place, don't they? And for our time this evening, I just want to briefly zoom in on one half of one verse. And that is the beginning of verse 51. There, Matthew writes, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So Jesus died, and as he died, the curtain in the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom. No man's hand ripped it, no tool or device tore it asunder. Matthew makes it clear that Jesus' death is what was the cause of this great curtain in the temple being torn apart. So why? What was the significance? Well, the temple in Jerusalem, if you'll remember, was the epicenter of God's relationship with his people. Uh, So over the centuries, the temple had been this place where offerings were made, where priests interceded for God's people. Uh, It was a place where it was just recognized that since God was holy uh, and needed to be separate from his sinful people lest they die, he would need to have some sort of separation from them. But at the same time, God showed himself to be gracious and wanting a covenant relationship with his people. And so at God's direction, a temple had been constructed where God's people would carry out worship to him so they could know him as their covenant Lord. And inside that temple, those of you who were with us a few years back when we went through Exodus and saw the tabernacle, you'll remember this. Inside that temple were two rooms. There was the the holy place and the most holy place. Uh, As we see in the book of Leviticus, uh, what the design was is that the priest, the high priest, would go into that second room, that most holy place, only once a year. And to separate off that inner room from the outer room was a curtain, a, a veil that kind of symbolized to the people that sin separates us from God. We must stay back from God's presence, lest we die. Only on one day, only on the Day of Atonement, 
where the high priest go into the most holy place, sprinkling blood to atone for the sins of God's people. Why blood? Why is Christianity such a, a bloody religion, if you want to call it that? Well, blood represents life, doesn't it? Uh, we need blood in our bodies if we're going to live. And, and in like manner, when we talk about the shedding of blood, we're usually talking about someone dying. Friends, by its very nature, sin deserves death, and so sin must shed blood if it's to be forgiven. Our sin is high treason against the king of the universe. It must be condemned. God is a good judge, and since sin rejects him, he cannot overlook that offense. He must respond with right judgment. Yet in his mercy, he set up a system of sacrifice for his people. These lives of animals, their blood, their blood being shed in the place of God's people. But that system of sacrifice that you can read about in Leviticus and, and in the first couple chapter, first couple books of the Bible especially, uh, that system needed a lot of maintenance and upkeep, right? Uh, it couldn't finally or permanently fix anything about sin. You just need to go back the next day or the next year to offer more sacrifices. So this is what the author of Hebrews talks about a lot. Uh, he says, every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So there's this kind of repeated, temporary idea to the sacrificial system, but it's onto that scene, it's into that backdrop then, that another sacrifice arrives, that the Lamb of God, Jesus himself, enters. Jesus perfectly keeps God's law, he is unlike any other sacrifice, for he is God in the flesh, perfect and holy. He, he doesn't deserve death, yet on the cross, his blood is the blood that is spilled. His life is taken. He is made the substitute for his people. And when that sacrifice is made, something totally different happens. The author of Hebrews continues and says, But when Christ had offered for all time... A single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. For by a single offering, Jesus has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus' death made the temple outdated. Jesus put the sacrificial system out of business. Because he came and laid down his life as the once and for all final sacrifice, in him and in him alone, sinners can have their sins completely washed away forever, once and done, period. Jesus died under God's judgment so that all who would come to him in repentance and faith could be forgiven, their sin totally dealt with, their righteousness before God guaranteed. This is why Jesus died. He died so he could restore a right relationship between holy God and sinful men. And he did it forever. Through Christ and him alone, we can now approach God. That's what Good Friday accomplishes for Christians. Sin blotted out. A way to God opened up. If you're watching this, either now or sometime in the future... 
and you're not a Christian, we're so glad that you're tuning into this. That's a kind gift to us. Uh, But we want you to know that in your sin, you are not right with God. You need a right relationship with him. And only Jesus can accomplish that for you. So trust in what he has done and you will be saved. And fellow Christian, how can we take the reality of Good Friday, the reality of Jesus crucified and the temple curtain torn in two, how can we take that, that true historical event that happened 2,000 or so years ago, and how can that make a difference in our lives tonight, tomorrow, going forward? Three things as we close this evening and meditate on the cross. First, Christian, when you suffer, God may be disciplining you, but he will never punish you. Christian, when you suffer, God may indeed be disciplining you, but he will never punish you. This is an important truth that we see in light of the cross. So for those who are in Christ, their sin has been placed on Jesus. All of it, past, present, future. Jesus has died under the weight of that sin. And so that means there is no more sin that we need to be punished for. So when we undergo hardship as Christians, whether that's physical suffering, persecution for our faith, uh, emotional strain and anxiety or depression, whatever that suffering or hardship looks like, we can know for certain that it is not God punishing us for our sin because our punishment has been placed on Jesus. If we somehow believe that we're being punished, that means that we don't hold as highly in our estimation as we should the cross of Christ. Yeah, God may be disciplining us, but that means he loves us like a father loves his children. That means he wants us to become more like Jesus. So you know what that means, church family? That means that whenever you suffer, it's an opportunity for you to remember God loves you. That might sound kind of like naive. And I understand suffering is is hard, especially in the midst of it. But as a Christian, you can know that in your suffering, God loves you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's not punishing you. It means that in whatever suffering you may face, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is going to use it for your good and for his glory. How can you know that? Because Jesus was punished, not you. Second, since we have a perfect once and for all sacrifice, we can go to God anytime. Since we have a perfect once and for all sacrifice, we can go to the Lord at any time. Jesus is now our high priest. We're joined to him. So we don't need to wait every year for a human high priest to kind of venture before God's mercy seat behind a veil to plead our case for us. No, we can go anytime. Prayer can often seem like a duty to us, and and that makes sense. It takes effort. But church is really good to remember every once in a while that prayer, while feeling much like a duty, is a privilege. I think the reason we can so easily forget the privilege of prayer is because we forget what it costs to tear open that curtain to give us access to God. It costs the life of God's only son. Christian, when you pray, you exercise the power of the cross. 
I love the old hymn by Anne Steele called Dear Refuge of My Weary Soul. We sing that when we are together. And in the first verse, she kind of, she's kind of sad and she's, she's uh, putting words to the, the, to the desperate prayer of a Christian. And she says, Dear refuge of my weary soul, on, on you when sorrows rise, on you when waves of trouble roll, my fainting hope relies. To you I tell each rising grief, for you alone can heal. Your word can bring a sweet relief for every pain I feel. So she's saying this, that as her griefs rise up within her and as her hope faints, that's how much she's in desperate need. She can go to God in prayer. Anytime. Why? She reminds us in the last verse of her hymn when she says, Your mercy seat is open still. Here let my soul retreat. With humble hope, attend your will and wait beneath your feet. She's saying the mercy seat's open 24-7, 365 days a year, or this, this year, 366 days a year, right? You don't need to be in a certain mood. You don't have to have reached a certain level of spiritual maturity or godliness in any certain day to go before the Lord in prayer. Why? Because it doesn't depend on you but on what Jesus has accomplished. You can come to God humbly through Christ and know he hears you. Third and finally, since Jesus paid it all, our future is secure. Since Jesus paid it all, our future is secure. I I don't know about you, but right now I think all of us have certain levels of anxiety about our future. Um, even for those of us who aren't being hit quite as, as bad by this current pandemic, uh, we're concerned that the hit is coming. Or we're concerned for our jobs or our investments. Or we're concerned for friends or family who may be more in the line of fire, so to speak. Or we might just be more afraid about the future of the world or the economy. There's a bunch of uncertainty right now. But since Jesus died on the cross on Good Friday and paid for our sin with his blood, we can know our ultimate future is secure. You have to go back to Hebrews again and again when you're thinking about the atonement of the cross. And I love it at the end of chapter 9 in Hebrews when we read, Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Eagerly waiting. Christian, I think meditating on the gospel must and will create in real Christians an eager longing for something more than we have right now. Because Jesus has come once to die. That's what we think about on Good Friday. But he's coming again And we read in Hebrews that he's coming again not to deal with sin because he's done that already, but to save those who are looking for him. So are you looking for him? Is your life marked by an expectation for his return? So in our past former lives, when we actually went about and traveled in this world, uh, I think many of us have experienced kind of the joy-filled uh, experience of picking up a loved one after a long trip, 
at the arrivals terminal at Dulles Airport. It's one of the sweetest things in the world to have waited so long and missed somebody so much and, and, and kind of get the text that they landed. I hear they're at the baggage claim, um, wondering if you're going to take the loop one more time or go back to the cell phone waiting area. And you're just waiting to see them. Not just see their picture on the phone like we're doing right now. Not just get a text from them, but actually see them. And then it happens. And they're walking towards you. What a joy that is. When expectation becomes reality. Church, we are awaiting expectantly the arrival of King Jesus. And he's coming back. Let's live in light of that promise. Let's keep our eyes affixed on the truth of that coming day with eager expectation because Jesus has died so that we can look forward to his return, not dread it. Jesus has died so that when he comes back, it will not be to judge our sins, but to provide the salvation we have so long been expecting. So because Jesus has died, we can know that when we endure hardship, it may be God disciplining us, but it will never be him punishing us. We can know that since we have a perfect once and for all sacrifice, we can go to God anytime. And we can know this Good Friday that since Jesus has paid it all, our future is secure. May these three reflections and applications to the lives of Christians tonight uh, propel us forward as we anticipate celebrating the resurrection soon. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the gift that it is to meditate on the cross and see what it means for us. And we pray for any who are watching this right now or who may be tuning in in the future who do not know you, who haven't had their sin washed away by the blood of the eternal lamb. Would you save them? And join them to your family as precious sons and daughters. And for us as your church, we pray for one another. We pray for those in our church who are lonely, that you would draw near. We pray for those in our church who are anxious, that you would comfort. We pray for those in our church who are feeling guilt, that you would remind them that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Lord, as we enter this weekend, and look forward to the resurrection on Sunday morning. May our hearts be filled with joy and longing for when we'll see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I sent out an email to the church recently with more uh, just kind of events happening this weekend. Uh, remember that our, our final kind of iteration of Matthew 27 will be tomorrow morning uh, and then 11.15 Sunday morning back here on Facebook Live and then our Sunday night Zoom prayer meeting on Sunday evening. Looking forward to seeing many of you or seeing many of you in those times. But love you all. Keep in touch. We'll talk soon.